Hello and welcome to the Hairdresser Strong Show. We talk with stylists from all different backgrounds, hearing their experiences and perspectives about career-defining topics important to rising and transforming hairdressers. I'm your host, Robert Hughes, and this is my guest, Lisa Kennedy. Uh, Lisa, will you uh, introduce yourself for us? Absolutely. Thank you for having me on this show. I'm very excited. My name is Lisa Kennedy. I am in Austin, Texas, and I have been a salon suite stylist for over eight years, but I also have worked in booth rental and commission salons. So I would love to share as much as I can about my experience and my career in different salons for you today. Awesome. Awesome. Um, so uh, we had a little chat before the show and I was saying, um, how much, how I was cruising through your website and your social media. And I was seeing that you did something recently with Daniel Mason Jones, I guess at the beginning of 2020. Um, mm -hmm. What, and it was about how to be successful in a suite. Is that right? That's right. Yes. Uh, yes. The, I currently, my salon suite is with Salons by JC and they are a franchise with over 200 salon suites across the United States. And so their corporate offices wanted to bring in Daniel Mason Jones to kind of give his perspective of being successful in the industry. But as we all know, Daniel Mason Jones has a very successful salon with 50 hairstylists and, uh, and more employees. So they brought me along to kind of give my perspective of a salon suite and what my experience was to add on to his business professional advice that he gave in the interview. So it was a really fun time. He was the one that actually taught me the elbow bump, you know, before that was cool from oh. COVID because he doesn't <laughs> yeah, shake yeah. hands. <laughs> so he goes, oh, no, no, no. Okay, I'll, cool. I'll bump your elbow. I said, oh, that's weird. But now that's, no, that's normal. <laughs> yeah, it is normal. Today we're talking about we're weighing the pros and cons of salon versus suite. And uh, so, as a suite owner, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about like how you decided? So, did you work at? You said you worked in other. You did other stuff before you went off and ran your rented your own suite. I guess the first question would be: Are you solo or are you? Do you have a partner? I am solo. Okay. And did you, and when you worked at a salon before, um, tell us a little bit about like uh, how you decided to go, go from a salon booth renter or a little bit about like, you know, a, a high level overview of that process. Well, I started my career in London, England and worked in a commission salon with 10 other hairstylists and we each had an assistant so we were able to churn out, you know, 30 clients a day per person. It was insane. And I just remember being exhausted by the end of the day, every day, and only getting Sundays and Thursdays were my days off. So I didn't even get two days off in a row. And just being completely exhausted and being tied to their schedule. And I thought, well, at my next salon, I'll try booth rental. So when I moved to Austin, Texas, I decided to try out booth rental with no clientele, which I, I don't recommend for anyone, but okay. I did pick a salon that had quite a few chairs and in a very busy area of Austin. So I was able in a few years to build up a clientele. It was a lot of work and it was a lot of sitting around in the salon waiting for walk-ins to come in. 
And then after three years, I was pregnant with my first son and decided I wanted to work part-time. And the owner of the salon said, sorry, I'm not gonna rent you the chair part-time. So that's when I started looking for salon suites. And I found this salon suite in a tiny esthetician's office and thought, you know what, I'm just gonna do it, I don't care. And I moved into that salon suite. So that was my thinking of, I wanna take my schedule into my own hands because as a mother, my schedule is the most important thing I have. And I wanted to have control over it. Okay, so, so my, my process of changing from a booth rental salon to a salon suite room and being able to just kind of control my environment. Gotcha. So I guess that's a good segue into uh, what would you say the pros and cons were? Um, so I guess we'll start with a pro of the suite is flexibility and control. Um, you want to elaborate or or share with any other thoughts? Absolutely. Uh, being able to control the, the time you're working, your schedule and the hours, if you want to work midnight to 4 a.m., there's nothing stopping you. But uh, my hours were the daycare hours. So 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. were my hours. And then if one of the kids got sick, I was able to move my people to the next day. But just being able to not have to worry about the salon owner there with the keys to unlock the door for me. Where my salon previously, we started the day at, at 10.30. I mean, that's, what am I going to do from 8 to 10.30? <laughs> they didn't, the salon. So the salon that you're talking about is where you rented a chair. Is that right? Right. Okay. Yes. So, okay. So you rent a chair, but the owner controls what time you, you can go in and what time you have to leave by. Does he have like a, a open and, and, sh and lock yes. time? They, they had open and closed hours, yeah. And they wouldn't let you start till 10.30? Right, oh <laughs> isn't that ridiculous? That's insane, that's so late. Um, okay, anyway. Okay, so you, you so control extends beyond your schedule. Con I mean, it, it's all, it's relative, it's all connected, but like, you know, um, like, because I, I can imagine, like, what if you had had a key to the, to the salon and you could go in and whatever you wanted and then you wouldn't be working part-time because if you're working 8 30 to 5 or whatever it was I mean that's that's full-time uh do you think that that might have been like you, do you think you could have would have stayed and you still you think you still be there I think eventually I would have left okay if I did have if I did have the hours but you know I wanted to be part-time and I wanted to pay part-time. I didn't want to pay full-time and only work half the time. Okay. So it was managing my work life with my new baby life. Gotcha. And so I knew I wanted to set my boundaries because otherwise, if you don't have boundaries, you're going to take that client on the day you were meant to have the day off. And right. then, you know, you're losing out with quality time with the, with the new baby. Well, it's like the movies where the business person uh, is never around for like the kids play or something like that. You don't want to be that person. <laughs> uh, right. Okay. So what do you, so yeah. sit, sorry, go ahead. Well, working in the, in the 10 chair salon had its great perks as well. I mean, getting to see other people's work is invaluable. I think you can learn from watching other people 
and the way that they do style and color and do their consultations or how they're able to sell retail each time. I mean, being around other people, you're able to take on the good things from the other hairstylists that are working for them. But there's also the con of there are some hairstylists that are plateauing and they don't want to try anymore and they're kind of done and they don't want to sell any retail. And it's you can take on some of that negativity without trying. And so I think if you can create your environment as a positive, successful, driven environment, then you can you can achieve those goals on your own. And so being in a salon suite, you have to buy your own retail. You have to buy all of your own products for color and foils and cleaning. So you, you do know how much that costs. And so you think, well, I want to use that. I want to be frugal and only use 15 grams instead of 20 grams of color because you know you want to prolong that tube of color. But being in a big salon, you have benchmarks and you have goals that the salon does for you. And learning those habits, I think, are invaluable for rising stylists to learn right away is to work in a commission salon, understand how to verbally sell retail from the beginning of your hair appointment and talking through the benefits of whatever product you're using as you're doing it so that you learn those great habits. If you do move on to on your own, whether it's booth rental or salon suite, those are already things that you're doing and you don't start slacking off and, and not earn money when you can. So I think that's important for rising stylists. I think seasoned stylists can always do better with um, product sales for everyone. I think as an industry, uh, we, we could be making a lot more on our products than we do, but we feel like we're used car salesmen trying to sell them products when you know, they need shampoo, they need conditioner, they need something to help them blow dry their hair with. So if they're not buying it from us, they're buying it from Amazon or the grocery store. So it's a mentality, it's a habit and learning those good habits from the beginning from a well-established commission salon, I think are invaluable for stylists. I, I think that, you know, you're a second person to say that. And I never would have thought about that part and I think a lot about this stuff and like the whole <laughs> the whole concept of under being in a salon to understand how the gears work and how like the whole thing you said about the goals and stuff while a lot of hairdressers complain about feeling like they work in a corporate place because they're like jamming goals down their throat and stuff mm -hmm. um I think most of it is delivery. I don't think that, I think that if you do it the right way, um, because uh, then I think it won't feel that way. That set that, but that's, that's what I think about. I think of how to deliver the information. I don't think about the value of being in a salon and seeing how a manager handles things like, like conflict resolution, for example, like that's huge. And uh, like- Well, if you, if you mess up your client's hair, I'm the only one in the room that's going to explain to them what happened and how I can make it better or how it's time to end our client hairstylist relationship. Right. You know, it's, it's being able to handle all of those types of situations. Yeah. And I, I think um, having somebody in the beginning of your career to teach you how to like diffuse, diffuse those bombs is probably a good idea. I think uh, you really 
that was a huge value piece right there. I'm going to use that as a little highlight for this. Um, awesome. Uh, okay, so what is uh, so you said the, your the favorite the thing you liked about being around other hairdressers was the collaboration and I seeing how people work to like you know pick up the good and and leave the bad and uh, so that's good. What it and the downside is lack of flexibility and uh, what any other downsides? What about the money? Do you feel like uh, do you feel like there's like a windfall of cash, or do you think it's there's or do you think it's mostly uh, the perks of flexibility and control? The vision of a commission stylist is thinking, well, that and color, and I only get forty percent of that. You know, they get to keep the rest of that commit that money, but I don't get to keep the whole one hundred percent of the two hundred dollars as a salon suite. I still have to pay my rent that comes every week. I have to pay for all the cost of goods sold, all the retail, all the cleaning, all the marketing, all the laundry. So essentially, I pay myself as a fifty percent commission stylist. Okay. And that is to set my expectations of okay, well, this is what I need to pay myself each month because that's the hardest thing is for me is paying myself because I want to keep it all in the business. I don't want to take it from my business because I know I'll need it for the next month. So paying myself is kind of my last thought because I know that I want to succeed in my business. So honestly, that's kind of a, a vulnerability I have is not being able to pay myself what I'm worth. And that's because I have my vision of my salon success higher than that. Gotcha. So you put your business above yourself uh, because you have goals and you're, and you have a plan and there's right. that. Yeah. I think that's awesome. I think that's super and that's important because, you know, it's not just showing up to work every day. I'm not just showing up and doing hair and I get to go home. And when I'm done, I'm not just a technician. When you go into a salon suite, you have to be the technician and you have to be the manager and you have to be the innovator. So you have to manage your schedule. You have to contact your clients to confirm them. You have to rearrange your clients when they want to rearrange your schedule. Um, then being in the innovator, you have to constantly think about how you're going to better your company. And that's seeking out education opportunities and signing up and paying them for them yourself. And also marketing and social media. Those can be full-time jobs on their own. But now I have to do all three. I have to do the hair, manage the calendar and the bills and try to make my business better than what it was today. And I think at the beginning of this, you mentioned you had a family. I do. I have three little boys. And three. <laughs> awesome. Congratulations. That's so great. How old are they? They are eight, five, and two and a half. Wow. And running a business. Good for you. That's awesome. Uh, so what is, um, let's say, what is one piece of advice that you would give to uh, a rising stylist that if you had to pick one thing to, to give a, as advice, what would you say to a rising stylist who's thinking about going out and getting a booth rental? I would say that's a terrible idea. Okay. Only because I tried it myself and there was a lot of times where I made enough money 
and that's not worth anyone's time. So rising stylists, I would say, please wait until you have a thriving clientele. You're able to market yourself on social media and attract new clients, knowing how to do Facebook marketing and Instagram marketing and getting the new clients to come in is the most important thing because when you're in a salon suite, there's, there's no walk-in traffic. People who show up go to their room to see their hairstylist and then they leave. They're not, they're not coming there to walk around to try to find somebody. So there's, there's just completely no walk-in traffic. Okay. So I would say stay in a commission salon, get your clientele booked up. And then when you know you're able to do the three parts of the business, the technician, the managing and the innovation, and you want to, if you want to have three jobs instead of just one, and I would say that's when you can move into a salon suite. Gotcha. Okay. That's good advice. And there's one piece of advice for a seasoned stylist who has a full, has a clientele and mm -hmm. is thinking about going out on their own. For seasoned stylists to make sure all of your clients know how to find you when you do move into your salon suite. You don't want to lose any clients if possible when you do move and having them able to contact you on social media or on your um, booking website is imperative so they're not calling the salon desk where you used to work to find out where you went. And then when you do move into the salon suite, you do get to create a very unique personalized room, which is such a fun thing to do. And bragging about how it's COVID safe because you do get to clean as many times as you want. I like to tell all my clients that they're coming to the cleanest chair in Austin because <laughs> I do clean it about 30 times a day. But bringing your clientele with you and not getting complacent once you do get into the salon suite would be my advice. Okay, cool. Awesome. Thank you so much. Um, well, that uh, concludes our uh, show on weighing the pros and cons uh, of salon versus suite. So thank you so much uh, for your time and uh, hope to have you back again. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. You're welcome.